forever young. I want to be forever young. Death becomes her. Death becomes. Death becomes her. Death become. Come, come. You know what? (laughs) Nope. We're still workshopping that. Welcome to Your Inner Child's Nitty, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they were any good. My name is DJ. And my name's Damon, and I'm looking at DJ's In face. the flesh. I we... mean, I'm actually looking at your face, but it's via video recording. Oh. You're... People don't know that you record your half of the show. <laughs> you email the video to me, and I respond to everything you're saying. It's like an old school cartoon. <laughs> like, you just have to, you have to find the gaps. Find the gaps. It's true. We're just in here, just... In the same room for the first time. I mean, not that's not exactly true, but for recording the podcast together for the first time. And you told me you changed out your your ventilation system. Is that correct? Yes. This good, is good, 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 good. Definitely good. fine. I'm definitely not nervous about it at all, especially <laughs> given that you were just licking things in a hospital this weekend. <laughs> I've got a hobby. Just and they have lax security. Just in here, just breathing the same air. Like people do. Why wouldn't two people do that? Not worried about it at all. Anyway, today we're going to watch... Soon I'll be using some of your utensils <laughs> to consume food in your I home. Hadn't thought about that. <laughs> mm, we're going to have to rethink this whole thing. Uh, today we're going to watch Death Becomes Her because it's Halloween. Yes, and it's one of the scariest fucking movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Look, there's a there's a limit to what? Uh, there's a limit to what we want to watch. How about that? That is true. I've always said that. <laughs> so this is about, I, this is not scary at all, right? I don't, no, I don't, not remotely. I, I have definitely seen this, but I, I have very little memory of it. Did it's, I not foist it upon you when we were roommates? I don't think I ever, I think we talked about it. I threatened it. You might have threatened it. <laughs> This and Hudson Hawk, you threatened me with, but Ooh, I don't think you ever followed with the through. Bruce Willis trifecta. Yeah. It's weird because it's just two movies, but it's still known as the Bruce Willis trifecta. <laughs> so this has uh, Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn. Yes, I can confirm both Goldie of those. Hawn in a rare non-Goldie role. Oh, yeah. She's ready, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> ready, Ron. Ready, Ron. <laughs> Doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Why would you change your last name? It's more paperwork. <laughs> And of course, Bruce Willis. And I feel like is the, this is pre is this pre action? No, this is post Die Hard. Oh yeah, this okay. is 1992. So we're we're two films into the Die Hard. Uh, so Bruce oeuvre. is he's going back to his comedy roots in this one. Yeah, and Meryl Streep is like, listen, I'm not considered the best actress in the world yet. So but I'm going to do. I'm shit in like the this. conversation. Yeah, but I'm not. I haven't become synonymous yet. Goldie Hawn's like, just happy to be. Here. Just happy to be here. Thanks. <laughs> Happy for the work. Yeah. Bird on a wire didn't turn out the way I thought it would. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then you, of course, you also have Isabella Rossellini before she <gasps> did all her bug sex videos for YouTube. Okay. What? So they, they're dead. The, the two ladies, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep. Are they don't dead start out that way. Well, sure. Much no. like many dead people. <laughs> no, none of us do. <laughs> um, yeah. They, uh, they uh, take a potion. Mm. Uh, which gives them youth, but it also makes them uh, essentially immortal. Okay. Which um, then causes a bunch of funny, light body horror hijinks. Hijinks. Um, that, that results in One of them in has injuries. a hole in them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one has some uh, severe neck injuries at oh. one point. 
I remember being put off by this. I remember being put on by this. Yeah. Seeing the commercials on TV, um, I think because of the sort of Looney Tunes style humor, yes. I was like, what is this movie? But you I remember was also- when Bugs Bunny broke his neck. <laughs> Well, I remember when Elmer Fudd would have his head on backwards occasionally true, and then true. just fix it by turning his head around. Fair enough. Um, and I think I remember being still at that age where I was very nervous about blood and gore. Yeah. And so I was scared to watch it because it was a PG-13 movie. Oh. Ooh. And They can um, go all the way with this. Oh, movie. yeah. They can go all of most of the way. Um, you get and one fuck. <laughs> you get one fuck and a lot more blood than you'd think. <laughs> Um, one boob <laughs> and a ball I'll give you a ball <laughs> no I, you know what I take it back <laughs> and I remember being like really into it and I but I was scared to see it in theaters not knowing what it is What's so I sent a, a proxy in the form of my much older brother Jason okay, who went yeah. to see it of his own volition but then I wanted to <laughs> you sent know a proxy who wanted to go him anyway <laughs> right. a proxy who made his own choice to go weeks before I ever would have considered <laughs> asking him um, how proxies work and uh, I believe I asked him, I was like, what's the blood situation? And mm. he said, there's not really not that much blood. So the minute it came to showtime, you were on it. I was in it. Yeah. And I immediately loved it. It's a lot of fun. You're, you're a gay man. Yeah, that, that's correct. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I think I feel like we've reached the point where I feel comfortable telling you that. What's the, what's the Meryl Streep situation? Are you like, are you like. Oh, I love her. Okay, she's an she's a like an internationally recognized great actress. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there does seem to be an extra an additional attachment from the gay community. Am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. I think Billy Eichner really codified that okay, for us sure. uh, in Thanks, screaming Billy. at random New Yorkers about Meryl Streep's uh, character roles. But yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think every generation has their own little Meryl Streep moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, for my generation it was Death Becomes Her, right. and then for uh, gay a little bit younger than me it was devil wears prada mm. um but she always knows i just need one movie in there and i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> that's my meryl streep impression i'm gonna get you thank you for the oscar i'll put it on my oscar shelf clink clink appreciate oh, it it hit the other oscar oh, i'm so pardon me other oscar i'll buff um, that out later also, though, we were we were a Bruce Willis household. There's Twizzlers okay. households, Red Vines household, and Bruce Willis <laughs> households. And we were a Bruce Willis household, much like the Hudson Hawk you previously referenced. Right. We also liked to die hard in our house. Right. I thought I would never watch too much blood at the time. More blood. Uh, is there a more blood in Die blood. Hard than oh, um, yeah. this <laughs> movie? Oh, okay. yes. Absolutely. There's a lot of blood in, in Die Hard. I wouldn't call it gory, but there's definitely a lot. There's of blood. only a small amount of blood uh, in this movie, and mostly for comedic purposes. Sure, the best way to use blood, in my opinion. Oh yeah, except for maybe transfusions. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a tight race. Yeah, it's a tight race, and if you're a Christian scientist, it's a one way race. Only comedic blood. Only wins. that's the only thing <laughs> that Christian scientists are cool with. We're gonna watch Death Becomes Her. Do you have any other uh, things to add before we watch away? No. Okay, me neither. <laughs> uh, I thought about it, and I can confirm. No, I do not. We're just gonna. We just rented it. You can rent it on uh, on the old Amazon. Oh uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, watch along with us. We'll be right back. You want to know something really spooky? This spooky season. Yeah, I think I do. 
Supporting a podcast on Patreon. Ooh. Oh, your your voice took a different cadence. Ooh. Oh, you're sort of coming at me. You, you got something? Uh, you got a, a real treat in your bag. Oh, I think I know where. Go ahead. It's patreoncom slash oh. Thought you were gonna do like a trick part, like I mean, a counterpoint to the treat. The tri- the treat is that there is the trick is that there is no treat. Oh, the treat is that there is no trick. See? Ah! It works both ways. The, the treat was you gave me that line. There you go. You didn't take it for yourself. Yes. I did that on purpose. <laughs> uh, support the show. Patreon.com slash you're child's an idiot. And we are back. Ugh. We watch Death Becomes Her, D Becomes H. How I like D to. becomes H. Why yeah. wouldn't you uh, abbreviate the two one-syllable words? I, just before we get into the recap, this is a thought I had. Only, I've been watching this movie for 20 years now. Yeah. This may be one of the worst titles of a good movie. <laughs> this is a, like, is it a play on that dress becomes her? Is that a phrase? No, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, like, it's very becoming on you. Death is very becoming on oh, you. Oh, like death becomes her. Like Right. It's She's becoming. not becoming death. Or vice versa. I am become death. I am. It is becoming on me like a, a look or a okay. style. Okay. I never even got that, but now I kind of like it. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, what are you saying? Apparently, uh, Bruce Willis proposed, that's death, baby. <laughs> That's for IMDb, so huge asterisks might not be true at all, but I like the idea of Wait, is that a serious thing? It was one of the trivia things. Someone wrote that down. Even if they made it up, someone wrote that down. I like the idea. That's death, baby. I like the idea that Bruce Willis is just, first of all, asking Bruce Willis what his ideas for the title are. Why are we doing that? Hey, how about you pull the harmonica out of your mouth and let me know what you think the movie we're currently filming should be titled, What about Die Hard? (laughs) Like it's you know it's not it's easy it's it's easy to to survive but it's hard wait no no it's not easy to survive so you be it'd be hard to die wait now I'm thinking is Die Hard a play on Try Hard I think Die Hard uh is maybe a stupid title as well <laughs> not as stupid as Die Harder yes that is you are correct or Live Free or Die Hard. It's like one of those things um, where it's like uh, a band name. It just becomes, if you make it vague enough, it just becomes, you get to, you know, imbue your own meaning, except for not at all, because it's about a certain thing, because it's a movie, you motherfuckers. Oh, I like, it's like how uh, you don't even think about how the Beatles is like a pun yeah. now. Yeah. Because they keep a beat because they have a drummer right. in the band. Right. But Beatles is an animal, and it's a creature also like with an E-E. Like a like a parochial. Do you want to recap this? Because I don't know if I can in a succinct way. DJ, I've been training my entire life to recap yes. this movie. This movie is the story of Madeline Ashton. Oh, stopwatch. Thank you. This story is the. Wait, am I going for a certain time? Stop the stopwatch. Stop. Okay. Am I going for a certain time? You're just trying to get as quick as you can. Go. Oh, beat my own record. Yeah. Okay. Oh. You want to just do? Oh wait, sorry. We're going. I think for you've your... hit it. Now it's like a Goldfinger, no, and stop. I need you to not Goldfinger. <laughs> What's the other one? Golden Eye. You have to hit the pen wa- or the stopwatch. Sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to break the 
the illusion. The illusion right there. One more Okay, you're going going for your PB here. Okay. That's important. Go. All right, so the story is about Madeline Ashton, a fallen starlet um, who uh, is obsessed with getting older, uh, and her best frenemy, a term I just came up with, uh, Helen Sharp, who is, uh, if you could just scratch that out, Um, she's uh, about to tell Madeline about her engagement to Ernest... (laughs) Ernest Menville, a plastic surgeon, but up, Madeline Ashton steals him from Helen, driving Helen to become mad, one, and two, obsessed Mm. with Madeline Ashton. Mm. Anyway, uh, fast forward 14 years later, and uh, Madeline and Ernest are in uh, loveless marriage. Mm. Madeline's star has fallen even farther uh, when she gets an invite to Helen Sharp's book party. And she finds that Helen Sharp is looking better than ever. Shit. Uh, and uh, Madeline becomes even more concerned about her age. And she finds out that Madeline Ashton, or no, that Helen Sharp blames Madeline for stealing her man. She uh, finds out about a secret elite group that uh, has been assisted by a woman named Liesel von Ruman. I think you're about to describe the Navy SEALs. I was about, to, I was about to try and indoctrinate you into the Masons. <laughs> um, <laughs> she learns about Liesel von Ruman, a woman who can help people with their uh, looks, Agings? I guess. Yeah. Um, she goes to her house, played by a very almost naked Isabella Rossellini, yes. um, who gives her a potion that makes her young again. But lo and behold, it also makes her not killable. Mm. <laughs> Weird way to put that. She lives forever. After a fight with Bruce Willis, she falls down the stairs, pushed by Bruce Willis, one might say. Mm. A police report for one. <laughs> uh, and uh, she, you know, cracks her neck around. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Stop anyway, the coke. point is, is that she can't die. Her neck's all busted up. Uh, she has to get uh, drained of her blood by her husband and repaint it up so that she uh, looks presentable again. And uh, then Helen Sharp comes. They fight. Some holes get busted into Helen's tummy. Um, and that's when they realize they've both taken the potion and oh, uh, they can't be killed. But they make up real quick, but then they realize that if they need to upkeep their now dead bodies that have continued living, they need mm. Bruce Willis to be alive forever anyway. So they try and get him to take a potion. He refuses. He escapes and lives a happy life, dies as an old man, and they look like shit because they've been spray painting their bodies for the rest of their lives. You know, I started strong <laughs> and uh, in kind of wishy-washy. one hour and five minutes. <laughs> Uh, we should have just played the movie, just the audio <laughs> of the movie. We see Meryl Streep take the potion, but we don't see uh, Goldie Hawn. So. Roldy Ron, I believe we Roldy Ron, because she's got red hair. <laughs> later, <laughs> later. Not even half a whole movie. Um, but she gives a warning about upkeeping. Do you remember what exactly the warning is? Yes, after Meryl takes the potion, she says, now a warning. And now, now a warning? Which is great. She says, take care of your body. Uh, you and your body are going to be together for a very long time. Okay. And then she puts a little pin on her and says, Sempre viva, live forever. So the idea here is just recapping sort of the premise for, for their like superpower. They live forever, <laughs> but but their body doesn't like if so their body like rots because it's actually like when she breaks her neck, she would be dead if it weren't for the spell. Or yeah. Whatever. Her body stops. I mean, she goes to the hospital when she falls down the stairs right. and the, the, the doctor, um, favorite says, scene. By far. 
<laughs> says, uh, well, uh, your wrist is fractured in three places. Uh, the vertebra, uh, the bone protrusion through the skin, that's not a good thing. Yeah. And um, your body temperature's uh, below 80 and your heart stopped beating. Yeah. And then he dies. <laughs> then he has a, yeah, a heart attack. Um, yeah, so essentially your body dies but keeps on living after you. And what I picked up this time watching is that Bruce Willis's character started as a plastic surgeon, but now works as sort of a an undertaker to the stars. Like he yeah. can he can make people look uh, very much alive at their funerals, and so he replaces their blood with formaldehyde. He essentially does what you he would do to them, someone, basically. yeah, okay. embalms them, and uh, then spray paints their body with mannequin paint as his his secret oh, trick uh, okay. to making people look so alive. So that that's how he keeps them from being like zombies. Where that's they how like, they stop, yeah, stop them okay. from rotting, yeah. Got it. Okay. I guess I, I didn't, didn't I, I mean I didn't pick up the movie's not very explicit about that, but yeah. yeah, that is Okay. Or maybe it's more explicit, but I've just been because I saw it as a kid, I've just sometimes yeah. I rewatch it as a kid and then when I finally watch it with yeah. other people, I'm like, Oh Yeah, surprisingly he's pickling them. even though I did like notice the like chemicals, the formaldehyde, like it in the first scene when uh like after her death when he's like painting her, I didn't even put that together that that's what he was doing. Right. Uh, he's using his billiard table as like an embalming table right it makes sense because there's blood everywhere you know like oh okay so yes okay and that's why they want to keep him around because he's going to have to keep keep maintenance up on them because otherwise they start running which is what happens at the end they're kind of melty and then they all fall into pieces like barbie dolls at the end which is right and they also i think their bones don't work they're when they're walking in that final scene their their legs are all bow-legged and weird yeah uh it's very charming they have a very like uh, Statler and Waldorf vibe. <laughs> they're just like two like friends that don't even like each other, but they're always around each other. Yeah. What's so bad about the musical she's in at the beginning? <laughs> I found it very charming, actually. Uh, I had to look this up because so she's in a movie called or a play called Songbird! Exclamation point. Yeah. As is legally required for any musical adaptation <laughs> of a movie, which is I guess it's a, an adaptation of Sweet Bird of Youth. Um, which is a Tennessee Williams play that was later adapted into a movie that I had to look up because I'm like, what is this? Yeah. First off, in Sweet Bird of Youth, it's about a gigolo who like gets with a, an aging starlet mm. and then he sort of abandons her to go back to his hometown, or at Oops. least that's what Wikipedia told me. I've never seen either the play nor the movie. So I believe she's playing that aging starlet even in the play. I will but- take that as gospel, though. <laughs> So I think part of the problem with this play would be that it's taken a very sad story and given it a happy ending because she's singing right, about okay. empowerment, p- empowerment. Plus, there's a weird disco number in there, which be- it being 1978 seems very cloying and like yeah. desperate. Um, I did have a note here that there is nothing better than Meryl Streep playing a bad actress, yeah. which she gets yeah. to do in this. Uh, that first shot of her um, in the play, you know, the spotlight comes onto her and she's looking straight ahead, and then she briefly like looks off to the side, like, "What am I supposed to do again?" And then right. she starts singing her song, like it's slightly offbeat. Um, and then later we see this sort of Hitchcockian uh, movie, Dark Window, that she was <laughs> in in the '60s, and uh, it looks like it's spliced together with an older movie with Michael Caine, a young Michael Caine. I tried to look up what movie it was, but yeah. I could not figure it out. Michael Caine. But uh, he walks into a room, and she goes, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> It's absolutely atrocious. I ate up every minute of it. Very good. 
Can we talk about Goldie Hunt's fat suit? Yeah. So we we fast forward in time after Meryl steals Bruce Willis from Goldie Hawn, and Goldie Hawn is destitute. She's living with a billion cats. She eats frosting as a snack. She's getting evicted. I thought that was like marshmallow fluff. I don't think marshmallow. We didn't have the technology in 1992 for marshmallow fluff yet. We didn't know how to extract <laughs> the extract the fluff from the marshmallow. I think marshmallow fluff is a very 50s 60s food. <laughs> no, I think uh, when she opens the cabinet, it's all like Duncan Hines pre-made frostings. Okay. okay. Um, all different flavors too. That's why I didn't read it as marshmallow fluff. It's all like got it chocolate okay. and strawberry and all these things. She- also, that cat was in the cabinet, which I enjoyed. So she yeah. opens the cabinet and the cat is in there. Um, you know they would have thick good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Every time we open the cabinet, Tippy's like, can I just get in there? I'm can like, I? no. No. These have fallen off the wall before. You can't just get because in. Because of you. <laughs> but yeah, she's also wearing a fat suit. Yes. And it's gross. It is gross. Uh, a little fat phobic. I don't mean gross. I mean gross that they, she's wearing a fat suit. Right. Uh, look, how, look how far she's fallen. Yeah. She's fat now. And I think there is also a smaller fat suit on her when she, in an earlier scene, when she's telling Ernest that she suspects that he's falling for Madeline Ashton. Uh, you can tell she's a little thicker than she was. Tiny fat suit. <laughs> a little, little wee fat suit. Yeah, I mean, that's not the most charming aspect of the movie. Luckily, no. it's only for two or three minutes. Yeah. I mean, and this was ni- 1992. You know, now we never do stuff like that. So. We never knew uh, that fat people had feelings and were real people before yeah. Before then. Well, we definitely didn't give uh, Martin Short his own talk show where he exclusively played <laughs> someone in a fat suit. Do you remember that? Jiminy Glick? Uh, YouTube really wants me to watch a lot of Jiminy Glick clips, which is hard to say. Jiminy Glick clips. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I watch them and sometimes I really laugh. Not the fat jokes, but uh, sometimes him not knowing who people are. When he keeps insisting that Steve Martin's middle name is Glenn. <laughs> Steve Martin says, no, it's not my middle name. Uh, I want to say, I want to give a quick shout out to a coworker uh, one time. Uh, a friend boop, boop, boop. Sorry, I forgot to hit the button. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Kiss cam. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was talking to my friend Rachel at work and Rachel, uh, what's up, Rachel? Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. We'll just add that in post. Uh, <laughs> sh- uh, she reached out to me on Slack as a coworker would. Okay. And she just said, I would like to talk about, and she was, I think she was looking up uh, a case number or something for me. And I said, Madeline Ashton. <laughs> and I didn't know that she was Death Becomes Her fan, and she was. And then we started just quoting random things from uh, Death Becomes Her. Excellent. Um, also, that whole scene is a One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest re- reference. Uh, and we get uh, Olivia from Sesame Street as the psychiatrist, which is a treat. Right. Yeah. We also get uh, cut back to Madeline, who has her staff say to her every day. Oh, Madeline, you look younger every day. <laughs> Previously, it was just Tuesdays and Thursdays, but now I really think you should say it every day. She also says, that then she says, uh, she like interrupts herself, just Meryl Street <laughs> being amazing. She just goes like, oh, thank you. And what is this? 
She's like immediately like was pretending to be she grateful sees, for this. She sees um she sees the envelope, the invitation to uh Matt, Helen Sharp's book party and she's like oh she sees uh, her breakfast tray and she's like thank you, thank you. What is this? <laughs> immediately turns on it. I want to say also uh, while we're just uh, gushing over uh, Meryl yeah, Streep, um, she does this fun tick uh, when she's playing Madeline Ashton, um, where she gets like a weird vocal fry, almost like she's. I think it's like an attempt to be older, but it also gives her like a little lack of class. Mm. Um, where she uh, finds out that Helen's book is called Forever Young, and she goes, "Forever Young." Ha! And eternally fat. And she has this weird, like, guttural sound in her voice. I love it. Every, I mean, this is one of those few times when you have an Oscar-nominated and winning actress already at this point, and she's in this sort of, what could be, like, easily, like, just say the lines on the page and you can, you know, get laughs. Yeah. But she, I feel like she still imbues a little bit to Madeline Ashton that is weird and kind of rough around the edges. It's like a you pathos can see to that it. she did grow up in Newark. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and was not popular with her own friends. Yes. Yeah. There's, uh, she has a tryst with, like, a pool boy. Yeah. Dakota. Dakota. That is one of the third tier quotes that me and my brother like to say to each other. You know, you start with, I can see my ass. Why can I see my own ass? <laughs> and then you work down to, I'd like to talk about Madeline Ashton. And then when you get to the third tier, it's really just a bonding experience of, hey, do you remember this movie? You've seen this and movie also. And me and my brother just like to go, Dakota. <laughs> but sorry, go ahead. Well, he's... He's got a lady with him in the in the pool house, and mm-hmm. he's trying to like lie to her, and he's really struggling. And she goes, "For Christ's sake, at least lie quickly." <laughs> I am trying to. Yeah, she's a friend of the guy who is here to fix the. Actually, I've never really realized. Did she just go down to her own pool house? Is that what I'm supposed to take away? I don't know where that actually was. It just seems like a pool boy pool house situation. But right. It was on the ocean. You can see yeah, the ocean I saw behind that. him. But I don't know if that's her house or what. Yeah, I don't know. I never thought of that. Why? How would she know this 20-something-year-old man? Right, yeah. I just sort of made that up. I have no idea if that's... No. Yeah. It's canon. Head canon for <laughs> Death Becomes Her. When this, at one point, she when she's uh, being convinced to take the potion with Lysol, she... She's, what does she say to convince her? But she goes, check, okay? <laughs> Isabella's like, uh, fine. Yeah, she just basically says, you'll never grow old and you'll be young forever. And yeah. she says, check, okay? Yeah, I like that. And then, uh, of Fun. course, you're a tragic, boozy, flaccid clown. <laughs> and when she says boozy, she like moves her head yeah, in like a, a complete you... circle. Yeah, it's very good. And then she does flaccid, flaccid <laughs> with her tongue. Also, there was a weird. Uh, I just want. I'm just going to keep doing this. Stop me when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, she hears Bruce Willis walking down the hall, and she thinks it's Rose, her assistant, and she screams, "Rose!" And she's like, "Oh, it's you. You're dressed special occasion." And he holds up his bag and says, "Work." And she just responds, "Ghoul." <laughs> and then at some point he goes, "Fine, dear. Thank you. Like a rock." <laughs> They have a great relationship. Uh, the sex is amazing, though. <laughs> Actually, no, it's not. He's no. flaccid. Yeah. What's the, uh, you named the actor, the weird eye guy. He's so, there's a weird, like, concierge guy when 
Meryl Streep gets to yeah she Liza. goes she goes to well There's a no, lot of weird characters oh absolutely um she goes to a beauty salon That's like a be- like yeah. a like a very bougie like yeah where they have these like French accents that they immediately drop when <laughs> if they're in trouble yeah um yeah I I, I mean I, I'm trying to think of what the it's not a beauty salon like you and I would know it it's right. like a weird the posh L A like. We're going to replace your blood with 20-year-old's yeah. blood. People like you and me would not be able to get in even <laughs> an appointment not. to see this place. Yeah, um, That is Mr. Chagall. The actor is Ian Ogilvie. Um, Fantastic. I, me and my brother also, speaking of headcanon, have a headcanon for him in that he has also taken Liesl's potion, yeah. but his eye is not working like it used to Something's because his yeah. body is starting to decompose as well right. because his eye flutters... At some, and he has to like stop it with his finger. Yeah, and it continues to do that throughout. It's the scene. very like a choice either the actor or they. Oh made. yeah, like it's not. It's not like this guy has like. No one natural... ever goes. What's wrong with your fucking eye? Yeah, it, but it's definitely a choice, and it's and his whole demeanor is very like it's indicative of like something ain't right here, <laughs> and it's great. very amiss. Yeah, it's it's very good because he's also like got that sort of like snooty salon guy, but also he's like. You really want the good stuff? Call this lady. Right, call yeah. Liesl von Ruman. Um, uh, there is a scene with Anna, uh, who is the assistant with the faux French accent that she drops when she thinks she's in trouble. Where she's like, oh, maybe a nice collagen buff? And uh, Meryl says, a collagen buff? Might as well ask me to wash with soap and water. <laughs> Speaking of weird shit, the, she goes to uh, Liesl's castle. Oh my God, that castle. What is that Art Deco thing? When that she all her like she has like WWF wrestler butlers, one of them is Fabio. Yes, we do see one that Briefly. is a pre a pre goose Fabio. You say pre goose? Is that like when what happened to him when he was on that roller coaster and that goose hit him in the face, yeah. killing the poor goose? Well, yeah, but like that's. <laughs> Why is that a, a pre, of course it's pre goose? That's the demarcation we have B C A D. <laughs> For Fabio, you have PGAG. How does it, how is it in the, I can't believe it's not butter commercial. Before, <laughs> uh, I believe that is maybe, I this think, I think, uh, I think, uh, I can't believe it's not butter is also pre goose. Yeah. I think this, it goes, this is peak Fabio. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I feel like this is still before him having butter. a non speaking role in a movie is, is peak Fabio, unfortunately. <laughs> no, because I think, I think it's maybe Death Becomes Her, butter. Goose. <laughs> uh, pour one out for that goose. I was thinking... Um, you didn't know what's going on. Can we talk about Isabella's boobs, please? I mean, we're going to have to. <laughs> I know you don't want... I know this is hard for you. <laughs> um, I don't or wanna, not. I don't want to just be like... Sorry, drum fill on... Okay, okay gotcha. I thought you were it's just not hard telling the drummer to shh. Like he went... <laughs> and <then you> shh. <laughs> I told you I do all the symbols in this recording. Let's talk about our boobs. Okay, let me let me keep it brief because I don't want to just be this gross straight guy. So Isabella Rosalini plays Liesl, the like evil witch. That, <laughs> that, the uh, wicked witch of the West. That gives him this potion. And she basically has no, no top, but just a necklace full of jewels. Correct. That, that, so she's very clearly like topless, but with jewels. And they're they're like, you know, clearly like taped. So they don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's like a, a, I mean, it's a nude illusion to yes, borrow RuPaul's right. term. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like a probably a mesh. You definitely get a lot of side boob, and she's like very alluring and like. I mean, if you're an 11 year old straight boy, oh, there's yeah. a lot to work with here. I 
I didn't remember this when we were like, you know, just going from memory. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I definitely remember this. This is is a hardwired memory for me. Yeah. Uh, young teenage uh, boy self remembers that for sure. But You're like, why am I watching this camp classic? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. She's a nice looking lady. <laughs> I can't deny she is a symmetrical woman. And whoever her uh, body double is has a nice butt. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> Good this, for them. Good I, for you. Not to steal anyone's story, um, but a uh, friend of the show, LT, uh, went to see this movie. LT, bam, 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 bam. Thanks for calling me, uh, LT. <laughs> She went to see this You're movie the second with caller. her. You get to continue to be our friends. <laughs> she went to see this movie with her mother oh. as a young uh, lesbian tween. Her <laughs> and mother was? No, okay. uh, she was. Her okay. mother wouldn't have also been a tween. Okay. I'm, I'm, now I understand. <laughs> that was very Her confusing. mother didn't get born and then immediately give birth <laughs> Look, to Look, we're talking about Death Becomes. There are a lot of weird shits happening. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was just two women enjoying a movie, and then all of a sudden there's this beautiful uh, Italian woman. With her side boobs out and bejeweled breasts. Isabella Rosalina. And, you know, as uh, LT was immediately uncomfortable because it's like, why am I watching this sexy lady with my mom? And I think there was the classic lesbian moment. I mean, I don't want to speak for, I don't speak over LT's truth or anything like that, but she's probably that. over her truth. I think, you know, this is something for her to share, but I think sure. I would like to think that she would say, oh, boy, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, the weird thing is she was wearing a dickie and it rolled up like a pair of blinds and slapped her in the face and she had to press it back down. Oh, oh, oh. She starts slamming her foot on the Her floor. head her turned into a wolf's head. They had to see a doctor. It doesn't, unlike in the cartoons, it doesn't immediately go back into your own head. You have to then get antibiotics to have the wolf head recede. It takes like two to three weeks. <laughs> Did you say antibiotics? Like you're my <laughs> grandfather. Ah, oh, they got these antibiotics now. I'm trying to put shit in my body. Every once in a while, my grandpa would say stuff like Cincinnati and Missouri, and I'd be like, "Where are you from? You're from where I'm from. Why are you talking like this? You're the reason I'm from where I'm from. Why are you talking?" Uh, Benny, like you that? can cut this out, but that reminds me of that Seinfeld where uh, George says, "You know, we had a deal," and Jerry's like, "We just shook hands." And he's like, "A handshake means a deal where I come from," and Jerry's like, "We come from the same place." Yeah. <laughs> uh. I mean, you just got here. I really like that line. Oh, the way Bruce that, Willis. He's he's a good sad sack. I I, I would I did want to touch on that because we gushed about Meryl, and I think that I think that Goldie Hawn holds her own for sure. She does a great job in this, and she's got some good laugh lines. But Meryl and Bruce have almost all of the the good lines. Um, he's really good, and it does kind of remind you, like, how funny Bruce Willis is just naturally, yeah, and how he sort of drifted away from being funny yeah. in recent years? Well, he's years? funny in Die Hard. Like, you know, it's not a... like Not co- any of the most recent Die's No, hard. but I mean, like the original one, he's <laughs> oh, yeah. like, all he's cracking jokes all over the place. It's really pretty funny. Uh, it's not this kind of funny. You know, it's right. a different It's a different thing, but he's just like, he's, you know, he's a charismatic actor. Yes! Or at least he was. This is very like straight from Moonlighting, like that same... You could like, this is more linear than like if you just watched... Moonlighting, and then you watch what he does now, you'd be like, what the fuck happened to this guy? (laughs) But Um, this makes a lot more sense. Do you think it was like a Samson type thing where the minute he is like, I'm going to shave my head now, 
uh, and like he immediately lost his ability to just sort of like have comic relief and just be able to like hold his own like that comic timing. Because ever since then, he's just looked like a head from Easter Island. He's just very stern, very stoic. Like even the last few dies hard have not been very funny. Yeah. Um, and I can't think of the last time he's been in like a at least half comedic role. I wonder if it was just like because like six, Unbreakable and the yeah. Glass and the what was the uh, Beast Man. When Sixth Sense <laughs> was so like serious, and he like got a lot of acclaim for that, deservedly, I think. I mean, we should probably revisit that one, but like, mm-hmm. but um, but he, you know, his he had played a very somber, serious character in that one, and that like he's now like being taken even more seriously, not just an action guy, not just a comedy guy like he was earlier in his career, but now he's also serious actor guy, and he thought like I need to like never show emotion, and it was like no, Bruce, that was just that one role which you did well. <laughs> But you don't have to just do that. And he's like, no, that's what I'm doing. Nope. That my face will never move from this <laughs> stern emotion ever again. No, he's absolutely great. And also, I mean, it's important to note he is also, while sticking to his comedic roots, he is also playing against type. Right. Um, he right. is sort of this schlubby. They've aged him up, I think, about 20 years. He looks kind of sallow. He's a drunk. Um, he's very puffy and, yeah. and kind of thick around the midsection. They've really like completely desexualized this guy. Yeah. And he holds his own. He like does a great job. When they even like like pointed out in reverse, like Goldie Hawn's like, oh, yeah, you're such a sexual, sensual. And it's played as a joke. Right. Because she's clearly manipulating him because obviously this guy – has no charisma, but <laughs> right. even in doing so, he has charisma. You know what I mean? As a movie watcher, you're because he does this when uh, when Meryl falls down the stairs and <laughs> <laughs> cracks her neck, like very obviously, is in like a ball. Like yeah, she's literally just like limbs in every which everything direction, facing the wrong direction. He just like hope, very hopeful face, like checks her pulse. <laughs> It's so good. The movement itself makes it like, of course you would see if the person's dead, but it's also like the way he, the face he makes when he does it, like a grimace. Oh. It's very good. I do not like the body horror. In this movie. I, yeah. You uh, winced a lot more. I, I was surprised that even as a kid, I wasn't bothered by it, but you, you were uncomfortable. I, I by do this. not like it. I don't like yeah. it. The, the, the gunshot wound to the middle midsection doesn't bother me as much. That's, I mean that's pure Elmer Fudd. That's a, yeah, like it, Daffy Duck getting his bill shot off. I think that's it. I think it's more like that's not even what it looks like when right. you get shot with the shotgun, really. And uh Trust me. Trust me. But it is what, you know, Elmer Fudd looks like when yeah. So it was I guess maybe that's it. That was more cartoonish. And and obviously that's the neck stuff is played for laughs and it is kind of funny. It's also really CGI odd looking. Like it's odd looking in the way it's supposed to be odd looking and then it's also odd looking in a way it's not supposed to be where it's just like early cgi right where i think like, it also yeah. it's in hd which doesn't help right um, yeah yeah i this is the first time i've really noticed like ooh. i mean when when uh meryl's head is on backwards you can tell like it's uh, her face looks a little flat and yeah. it's not exactly right uh but um especially when uh, her neck gets like knocked back or when her head gets pushed into her body um like some sort of turtle woman um and she pulls it back out you can tell that's very uh, early cgi it looks like very like this is your neck color it'll be all one color and uh it looks very weird and stretchy but th- i i do think that that was an effect of the hd yeah. watching it in hd yeah, yeah. for I the mean, first time 
but I mean, still, it is also early CGI. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely am not like what a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm not inclined to like shit on the movie for it, but it does not help my uh, discomfort with it. <laughs> I see. I mean, I do. I, I mean, even though the uh, the gunshot is the most Looney Tunes of the yes. violence, it is all sort of like Wiley e. Coyote style violence. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the, I mean, I think Robert Zemeckis would be pleased that you are uncomfortable with it. Like yeah. he is oh, playing that discomfort course. for laughs. Of course. And I think a lot of movies sometimes try, I mean, it's rare, but I mean, sometimes movies try to do this Looney Tunes violence to real people and, it comes off as very disturbing. Like, I don't want to watch Michael Jordan be played by an, like an accordion yeah. because Michael Jordan's a real person full of bones and blood. And to play it straight for laughs doesn't work as well as in this case or like something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit where, you know, you're supposed to be a little uncomfortable because you are a human being full of blood and right. blood yeah. and bones, as yes. they say. It's meant to be both funny and also like, right. It's, it's like Cronenberg meets Tex yes. Avery. <laughs> Which is why we're watching it on Halloween oh, season. season. I won't be able to sleep after this. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about the silly action, I also want to talk about the cinematography. This movie is very specifically shot. Yeah. Um, there are... It's the painted I'll, background in the very first shot. Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. the the Broadway shot yeah. is very weird. Um, and I think then you like pan down the 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 theater building to the to the audience like pouring out of the theater because the, <laughs> the play is so terrible. Um, we get like weird shots of like nuns levitating. We have this hospital that seems to be like green marble all over the place. Yeah. Um, very stylized. There's this fantastically uh, overdramatic fantasy sequence when uh, Goldie Hawn lays out her murder plot for killing Madeline, which is all like there are shots of where it pans down a dining room table from Meryl Streep you know, being knocked out by a drug, landing in her salad, and then the camera pans through all the candelabras on the table yeah. to uh, Bruce Willis and, uh, and uh, Goldie Hawn, Roldy Ron, uh, holding hands at the other end. There's all these just like very specific like shots in this that I really, I looked up the cinematographer because I was like, who is this person? Um, he was a cinematographer on Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and a lot of other Zemeckis movies. And then after this, he sort of went nowhere. <laughs> like his, he was done. He uh, did Camp Rock, uh, the Disney Channel that? original movie uh, oh. starring Jonas number one, I think. Um, Do you think this broke him? Oh, he was also the uh, cinematographer on Halloween. Oh, the Ridge? The Ridge Hall. Yeah. Um, Ooh, see, tie into an actual scary scary movie, which is funny because the scene where Madeline is off in the background after she fell down the stairs and Bruce Willis runs to call uh, Goldie Hawn, like her slowly getting up in the background was very Michael Myers in the original Halloween. (laughs) There's a scene, I think, where Jamie Lee Curtis is also calling the police and you see Michael Myers like Uh... get up, but like out of focus in the background. I just thought it was weird that the cinematographer is a very stylized guy and I was eating it up. Gimme, gimme, gimme more shots coming out of fireplaces and things like that. And then I felt like he, uh, this movie broke him. Well, it was maybe that he had to do the Morticia Adams lighting on, uh, (laughs) did you notice that on, on I did notice that. It was very weird. Like after she died, she had like light just over her eyes, but that I feel like they kind of dropped it. 
but at the beginning when she... I feel like it was just maybe that scene. Maybe it was to make her look more pale. Yeah. It was very strange. Like, yeah, I think the inconsistency was strange. Though, like, first, like, you're like, oh, cool. That doctor scene uh, is my favorite scene. The one with Sidney Pollack as the doctor? He's just, like, uh, very casual at first. And then over time, you know, he discovers she's dead. Mm -hmm. And just, like, it's like, whoa, kids, let me tell (laughs) you. And then they he takes a sip off of uh, Bruce Willis' flask. Yeah, can I have a sip of that? And then he walks out of the room and then dies of, of a heart attack. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about that scene is that he at first is very disturbed. Like he he tries her wrist and he like bends it all the way back so that the top of her hand is touching the top of her arm. Um, and he's like, You're, "Are you telling me this doesn't hurt?" Yeah. Um, and then she's he, also got like the the thermometer in her mouth and she's she's playing it really <laughs> fine. She's like, "I told you it doesn't hurt. I told you again. it doesn't hurt." <laughs> Um, and then he uh, he sees the protrusion of her vertebra coming out the front of her neck. Um, and he's like, oh. Uh, and then after that, he just sort of like, he pulls the thermometer out of her mouth and he goes, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> only later do you realize what he saw was uh, below 80 as yeah. her therm. And he just goes, yeah. Well, let me tell you, uh, kids, uh, what this what is. Says. Okie dokie, Okey-dokey. kids. <laughs> and then promptly dies. The only other quote that I have. So Isabella's character, Liesl, gives gives them a warning. You know, you have to kind of like, at some point, you're going to have to either fake your death or disappear or something because people are going to realize that you're living forever. And then you can just kind of do whatever you want, but you got to be careful about. It. And then so, uh, weird eye guy is giving a speech in the, at the party, and he's like, <laughs> "There's some like random dead celebrities around. So there's Andy Warhol and Marilyn Monroe." And then he's like, "And I've heard of people uh, making appearances, and I'm not going to name names." Then we see Elvis, and he goes, uh, "I was just having some fun, man. That's all I was doing." <laughs> I really appreciated the line. I don't know. Like, I was just having some fun. <laughs> That's Didn't all I was doing. Uh, it is. Uh, we also see Greta Garbo in the audience, which okay. and she was referenced earlier by yeah. Liesl. Um, we also catch Jim Morrison and James Dean. Was Jim Morrison the one that was like trying to swim in the pool? Yeah, he's uh, like, okay. "Are you going to get out of there or what?" Uh, after Bruce Willis crashes through yeah. <laughs> the stained glass window above the pool, and then when Bruce Willis leaves, he turns to the girl he was going to uh, presumably fuck in the pool. He goes, "That was pretty neat." I didn't really make the Jim Morrison connection. I think it's the belt and probably the fact that the doors, the doors came out somewhere. That movie, the Oliver Stone movie, the doors came out, I think around this time. He just looked like the other wrestler butlers to me. (laughs) True. That was pretty neat. And yeah, Bruce Willis steals James Dean's spider uh, to drive away. Okay. Which uh, I guess he, I I was going to say you wouldn't want to, Keep the car you died in, but then I'm like, he didn't well, James Dean didn't in this, die in it. In this so he's like, fiction. I got rid of one spider, bought another one, and headed on I like the car. It wasn't the car's fault that I was <laughs> going around dead man's curve so fast. <laughs> now, in the IMDb, again. Please. Giant, giant red flag. It said that, was it Variety? Called this a gay cult classic and a touchstone of the queer community. Yes. I just want to touch on that again, because what? Why? 
I think you, well, first off, you have two strong older women uh, just okay. eating up the scenery got, like nobody's got business. A Merrill. You got a Meryl. You got a Meryl. You got a Meryl. Which we already Goldie. established. Um, you got Isabella Rossellini living in a sex haven with a bunch of hunky dudes. Fair. Okay. Wearing fair, obscene fair. pants. Not obscene in the good way. Just like that is stylishly obscene. Yeah. Um, that is like, sartorially offensive to me. They're wearing like full on like. You know, welterweight champion yeah. belts. They've got these weird, like almost like a uh, cummerbund yeah. belt belts, and then they're wearing these tights, yeah. like almost like biker shorts, and they're striped, but they have like the puffy stripes. They look like clown, like clown pants, like clowns, like a clown would wear, <laughs> like a biker clown, like a cyclist okay. clown. I'm, I guess. Okay, all right. I didn't put all that together. Fair enough. And I mean, I think it's just, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't, this is how dumb I am. I just didn't really pick up the the gay part of it. Well, that's the funny thing. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure it's much easier now in the internet age, but when I was a kid, I watched all these movies just thinking, I like these movies because right. this is the kind of movies I liked. And then I got to college, met a bunch of other gay guys, and I was like, why do we all like Death like, Becomes Her? For some reason, it's like, for, it speaks to you, like formative. Right. Okay. All right. Fair why enough. are we all watching Golden yeah. Girls? There aren't that many gay men on Golden Girls. It's a movie about sextagenarian old women. Why would we all gravitate towards Well, and this. it's like, it is it is kind of interesting because like me and all my like straight white male friends all like watched, you know, we watched Billy Madison and Tommy Boy and those like, but we watched them like together or like right. talked about them together. We didn't all like discover them independently because we were closeted straights. <laughs> and then right. we come to college and finally start to find ourselves and be like, you like Billy Madison? I like, so it's like, it's not quite the same what thing. What a world though. Yeah. <laughs> if you were expected to watch Death Becomes Her and you're like, I don't like Death Becomes Her, I like Billy Madison. <laughs> and then you never. have your own straight version of Vito Russo has to write sort of like the celluloid <laughs> closet, but for straight men. And Listen. it's like, here's the oeuvre of Chris Farley. I want to just go into this. <laughs> what makes Chris Farley a straight icon? That will never happen. You will not replace us. <laughs> I don't know. I think also I mentioned the Golden Girls and maybe right. that plays into this too in that you have older women sort of being brushed aside right. uh, with Madeline and, and Helen as sure. well. You also have a secret society. So like an underbelly of, mm. of real society where all these uh, beautiful celebrities are going to cocktail parties together, but no one knows about it. Uh-huh. And Elvis and James Dean are like hanging out. Um, so there's that like that secret life, that double life element to it okay. that I also think attracts a lot of people of the queer persuasion. Um, that all checks out. That makes sense. I guess I just like, you know, I can easily get that can go over my head. No, you know? sometimes I'm like, why are we all doing this? Well, and it's like, it's not like it's, it can it can be coded or sometimes it's not even coded. It just sort of speaks to a specific community and maybe they didn't even know when they created it, but then they're like, yeah, great. If it's found a voice in a community, kind of like He-Man, we were talking about, like, I don't know that they necessarily meant to code these things, but then when they do, they're like, aces. Sure. Glad you like it. You'll still be spending money on the action figures. Yeah, I meant to do it. You'll be wearing these costumes (laughs) at your sexy Halloweens. Yeah. It can be both like taking, giving too much credit and also not giving enough, both at the same time, because I don't know. You never know what people's intentions are, because also these are like, 
it's not like you're like, I mean, I watched this movie when I grew up and I didn't pick it up. And I just watched it as a a 39-year-old and I didn't pick it up either. So it's like... And it's not like Robert Zemeckis is like a John Waters type. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's kind of what you get out of it. But I guess, I guess I feel adequate. I feel like that's adequately explained. Thank you. Also, you have two uh, Oscar winners um, fighting with shovels at one point. Also, that is that makes it a camp classic. By that's, definition. That's what makes it gay? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, that's why when uh, Denzel Washington and... Uh, wait, did Denzel has an Oscar, right? Yes, okay. Training Day. That's why That's why when Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks got in that shovel fight in that one movie, <laughs> it was immediately a gay cult classic. Philadelphia, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautifully filmed shovel fight. That's why, that's why the gay community loves Philadelphia. <laughs> It really spoke truth. Camp classic. Not, not to the AIDS epidemic, but to the shovel fight between two Oscar winners. Not the loving relationship between two men, but the shovel fight. Shovel between fight. a lawyer and his dying <laughs> client. Uh, do you want to go to the verdict? Are you ready? Wait, I actually, I want to bring up one last thing. Oh, great. Um, which is... Uh, the last time, I only noticed this, um, I rewatched this earlier in the pandemic with, uh, with Tyler and our friend Adam, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam made a good our point, Sondheim, and I want to uh, bring classic. it out here, our Sondheim expert, yeah. um, that the last half of this movie kind of starts to like crumble a little bit. Much and I like think their bodies, much like their bodies. But like once Madeline and Helen become friends again, about the maybe two thirds of the way through, yeah, the movie loses a big bit of tension right. and seems to be flailing to find any other tension it can recreate. So it sort of half creates Isabella Rossellini as a villain, um, half just the very idea of wanting to live forever as a villain tries to make Bruce Willis into a hero, which. Especially in this rewatch, I realized, like, this is a man who um, strangled his wife just because she was mean to him. And I I originally wrote down he attempts to kill her, but no, he actually actively chooses to push her down the stairs um, just because she's cheating on him and uh, calls out his dick uh, for its uh, flaccidness. I mean, Damon. Which is unfair. Counterpoint. She's really mean. (laughs) Good point. Killer. <laughs> um, and it, then the movie, the last half of the movie starts to like try and make him into a hero or some like great man. And it feels like the movie is saying, oh, this is a story about two terrible women and one uh, heroic man. And I'm like, I think this is a movie about three terrible people. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the ending never really sticks for me. Um, and it feels a little bit like... Like, sort of silly, but it is a little misogynistic in that you have these two women sort of frenemies, uh, and they're sort of almost incoherent of their hatred of each other. Yeah. Um, and the man is the the rational person, even though he did kill a woman. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, And also, I mean, we looked up in the, the trivia. I mean, there is a cut of this movie that apparently had Tracy Ullman in it at one point. And even if you watch the trailers, you will see bits with Tracy Ullman that have that did not make it to the theatrical mm. release. So it feels like this movie might have been like sort of reworked. Reworked on the yeah. editing room in the editing room. So I I don't know, that last act never like lands as solid as yeah. the the fun Looney Tunes shovel bashing uh scene does. It's definitely weak 
a weak third act thing. But also, like, I think I completely agree on the there's a little bit of like misogynistic tone to the end but also it's it's meant to be played for laughs like he he ran away got away escaped from this situation and completely changed his life Mm -hmm. he did everything he wanted to do he ended up having uh, a bunch of kids and like a new wife and like built a life for himself and like had like uh, charitable foundations and all this stuff and we're hearing about all this and and it's played for laughs because it's like they they came to his funeral to to gloat. It seems like right that and they're then, still alive and he's dead. Yeah, they've and learned nothing. Hear, and yeah, they learn nothing and they hear all this stuff and they're they're kind of like in the back, like ha! they still not they're not getting it. And as the audience, we're being like, see, these are just terrible people, which is like shitty. But then also, it is kind of funny. No, <laughs> so, I mean the, yeah. it is bolstered. The third act is bolstered by the fact that the movie is still continuously funny throughout. Right. And they are terrible people, but he also was no matter right. what he did. To try to, you know, like to, you know, after the kind of event, main events of the movie, he's still terrible. But so he gets kind of a pass. Right. Because he's the movie dead. gives him a pass. And I think yeah. that, I mean, it's still a movie about women directed by a man. Yes. So right. I think that also probably plays, which sure. we should always look askance when that happens. Yeah. Um, no, I think the movie is trying to like make a commentary about LA's obsession with yes. youth and beauty. Yeah. But also, the people who are most obsessed with youth and beauty and the people that we meet are the two female characters. And the man is the only one who's like, no, I want to, you know, die naturally and, and I don't want to live forever and be right. young forever. Right. He's the only sane one who sees beyond the, the shallowness. Even though, hey, you're a man and these same pressures aren't on you for that. Right. Right. In the first place. Right. And you are, not only is he able to kind of live above them because he's a, a man. He's also the one performing the surgeries at the beginning of the movie. The and, plastic surgeries and, and the posthumous death. surgeries. So I don't think that that's completely missed, you know what I mean, in the message of the movie, but it is, yeah. It is, the way it's it's done is a little bit... I mean, it took yeah. me 48 viewings of this movie for me to catch up on it, but yeah. uh, it's, it's still there a little bit. Absolutely. And yeah. I mean, apparently, I mean, if maybe if the Tracy Ullman character hadn't been excised completely, she would have been, I think she ends up like as a love interest for Bruce Willis. So she would have been a counterbalance to these two terrible women, maybe. But we'll never know. Never know. We'll never know. Let's go to the verdict. Please, let's go there now. <laughs> I can't believe you build a whole verdict room. We have to walk to with our Muppet. With, our, with the Muppet, Muppet shoulders. Gate. It's downstairs. Do you want? Uh, do you want a, a beer? Oh yes. Yeah. I'll hold on. Let me get a glass. Uh, clink, 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 clink. Don't drink it so fast, Jesus! You're gonna get belches. Before we get to the verdict, please. Uh, I have a, a nominee. Oh. For the Sally Field Single Scene Award. For oh Sydney, yes, Sydney by all means. Doctors off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, seconded. Yes. And it is so writ. And that, not only is it just one scene that he deserves the word for, that's the one he's in. He's the only <laughs> scene he's in, which is nice. So he got he's batting a thousand. <laughs> Came in the movie, hit a home run, and then died. I will give the uh, Catherine O'Hara Memorial VIP Award nominee. Uh, I would give it to uh, Meryl Streep, but she's got so many. Yeah, she's not going to appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to give it to Bruce Willis. Okay, yeah. 
I, I will second that. Um, I, I think, I think I got give it more, to the man in this in this story I about women. Think I got more laughs out of Meryl if I'm being. Oh like, no, I mean, but she's Meryl Streep. Yeah, I'm. Mean, she's just gonna come up in the nominate. I mean, yeah. This is like the Lifetime Achievement Award. You know, someone's been nominated a few times, the Oscars. And, right. you know, Peter O'Toole is probably not going to be nominated again because right. he's dead. Um, <laughs> so just give him the Lifetime Achievement Award. It's not for the one. It's not, they don't never win for the role they, they're they nominated for. It's, it's for, for the, the next one. the yeah. role two times ago they were supposed to get nominated for. So she gets it for, for this one, but it's really for Out of Africa. We thought she was hilarious in that. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Um, when is she going to get out of there? The body horror made me uncomfortable. Is this your verdict? Yes, it is. <laughs> it was not it's not a perfect movie by any means. But you're child's an idiot, not an idiot. This was really fun. This is a really fun this is my kind of Halloween movie. <laughs> where like I, I want some like macabre but but funny and I don't wanna really be scared that much. A little you know, I like a thriller, but like this if you're going for the comedic st- side of things, this is great. It's got that got some really good lines. It it holds up pretty well. Some of those the CG stuff that we were talking about was was weird. I don't like the neck stuff. Makes me really uncomfortable. Because you have a neck. That's so you're my, like, I don't want that to happen. I to my feel neck. like that. I don't want to put that on you, audience. That's me. <laughs> I got. The, I don't like it. Um, but yeah, your inner child is not an idiot. What do you think? Your inner child is not an idiot. As the gay mafia, I mean, they are oh. holding a gun to my head. But I would have said it even if they weren't here. Um, those aren't guns. <laughs> oh. Uh, this is a really funny movie. I think it's immensely quotable, which like sort yeah. of uh, glosses over maybe the more uneven parts of the the yes. story and the yeah. plot. Uh, it's beautifully shot. Um, it's yeah. uh, really fun. I think overall the CGI more or less holds up. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they went Looney Tunes helps a lot because you're absolutely. like, it's too cartoony. It was like, well, yeah. we were going for that. So um, It's a great film. I, if you're listening to this and haven't seen it, I would recommend it. Yeah. If you want, especially if you want like a, f- a fun, like if you're listening to this and you've already seen it, happy pride month. <laughs> Whenever you're listening. <laughs> what do you think? Everybody email us. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can uh, leave a voicemail or text us 615-576-0525. You can find us on all the social media, Instagram and Facebook and then um, I want to thank uh, my friend Russ Weaver for the use of his song Top of Two for our ad music. Uh, I want to thank Benny Goldstein for editing this episode. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Benny. And we want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, uh, including His Honor the Mayor, Dan McIntyre, Beth Sermont, David Mort, Jonathan Day, Just Cuz, the Supreme Ruler of this oh. podcast, Scalphosaurus, Dr. Uh, Malcolm's uh, Heaving. Bosom. Heather Tuggle. Tyler Richardson. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Karen Curd. Lindsay Nell. The Zesty. Jacob Grimm. Particle Man. Demon's Australian accent. There's a lot of accent work <laughs> in our patron's name. Dramatically placed hot dog. Larissa Maestro. T. Smith. Jeremy Powlin. And Kevin from Cleveland. Thank you all very, Thank very you. much. And the rest of our patrons, we really appreciate it. If you want to support the show like them, patreon.com slash your inner child's an idiot. Do you want to um, play us out? Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> what do I see? That's the question I...